We want to talk to you about the Reparation Task Force. Can you tell us what's going on with this? A few months ago, the Reparations Task Force came out with their preliminary report. What stood out to me the most, especially here in California, is their recommendations for the housing crisis. The primary program that they're recommending is providing subsidized mortgages for uh, black residents and black applicants. So rather than addressing that core issue, that core cause of building more homes and getting rid of the things that are preventing the building of more homes, the solution, at least for now, recommended by the task force is to just throw money at it, to make sure that people can pay these high prices. My guest today is Andrew Quinio, attorney with Pacific Legal Foundation. He has served the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Office of General Counsel, where he litigated employment discrimination and whistleblower cases. How do you show that people today, black Californians today, who are far removed in generations from slavery and the victimization from slavery are themselves victims of it. How are they victims today? That's something that the task force, and I think that's something that Californians uh, will be asking too when they come out with their final programs. What's in California's reparation plan? How much meaningful results could it provide to help relieve California's housing crisis? We will find out in today's episode. I'm Siamai Karami. Welcome to California Insider. Thank you so much for having me. We want to talk to you about the reparation task force that California State has. And there has been some updates. Can you tell us what's going on with this? Certainly. So the California Reparations Task Force was founded in 2020. And it's a committee, essentially, of, of nine individuals. And they, are a, they have the mission or the purpose of studying slavery and its impact here in California and coming up with proposals and policies to remedy that uh, and come up with a reparations program. So they've been meeting since 2020, holding hearings, taking testimony from different experts, historians, policymakers, uh, all different types of people in different fields to study the effect of slavery, its history, its effect here in California, and the effects of it uh, in the form of different racist programs and racist government actions. And from there, they have recommended some preliminary recommendations for reparations or a reparations program. So uh, a few months ago, the Reparations Task Force came out with their preliminary report. Which is a really big one, right? It's a 500 yeah. page you mentioned, yeah. It's, it's about 500 pages, and it covers all sorts of topics from healthcare, criminal justice, the environment, education, and it talks about the impact of slavery or the, the badges and incidents of slavery in the form of, of uh, racist policies in those fields. And they come up with recommendations on how to remedy those things. And what's interesting about the report is a lot of the recommendations they come up with are a lot of things that we've seen before, raising the minimum wage, uh, free health care programs, uh, housing subsidies, um, different types of lessons to be taught in our public schools. What stood out to me the most, especially here in California, is their recommendations for the housing crisis. Uh, among their proposals for remedying racist housing policies is to provide state subsidized mortgages to black residents. 
And that stood out to me because when you think of the housing crisis here in California, race and prejudice is, if anything, only part of the story. It's not the complete story. And it certainly is not the root cause of the housing crisis here in California. I mean, the bottom line is Californians can't afford their homes. They can't afford to buy homes. And this affects everyone, regardless of their race, their background, their ethnicity. There was a, a study by UC Berkeley or a poll that showed that the housing crisis and the concerns about it affect everybody of all stripes, of all backgrounds, of all political persuasions, et cetera. So to isolate the cause of the housing crisis to race and the after effects from slavery is really to me not the complete story and, and it diverts from the true causes of that crisis. And the, the cause of that crisis is we just don't have enough homes. California has, is undersupplied uh, for building homes. And that's not anything that's covered by the reparations task force report. So how are they going to address this? Well, the primary, the primary program that they're recommending, and again, this is just a preliminary recommendation, is providing subsidized mortgages for uh, black residents and black applicants. To me, that's just subsidizing the high cost of housing. The reason housing is so expensive here in California is again, there's just not enough housing. There's not enough houses being built. So rather than addressing that core issue, that core cause of building more homes and getting rid of the things that are preventing the building of more homes, the solution, at least for now, recommended by the task force is to just throw money at it, to make sure that people can pay these high prices. But that does nothing to address this lack of supply of homes in California. And there's several things that are causing a lack of supply of homes in California. Uh, you've got uh, over-regulation uh, from environmental laws, in particular the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA, as it's more commonly known, uh, land use policy, zoning ordinances that restrict building of homes. Building fees are among the highest uh, in California compared to uh, other states in the nation. So all of these things that are the core problems causing a lack of housing supply just completely go unaddressed in the reparations task force report. They should use that opportunity in their report and in their further hearings and study of, of California's problems uh, to address those issues and come up with solutions that impact all Californians. So essentially they want to subsidize for, for um, blacks like the, just the, the mortgage, right? The, so you have to pay the same housing cost is that and then you'll get some subsidies on the mortgage interest rates or interest or is that? Right, what they're proposing is subsidizing uh, low interest mortgages. So what that could look like, it remains to be seen again because this is just a preliminary report. They're due to have their final report in June of next year. But you can look to some uh, other jurisdictions and, and other parts of the country to see what maybe that would look like or what would be a model for a California housing reparations program. Uh, Evanston, Illinois, for instance, has been uh, already implementing their own version of a reparations program in the form of housing vouchers. They've been providing housing vouchers to individuals who are descendants of black residents in Evanston from I think 1919 to 1969. So there's a specific time frame, but what a lot of folks would think of as a reparations program, which would be cash payments 
to, to victims of discrimination or, or you know, state injustice has largely morphed into, like in Evanston, Illinois, and other parts of the country, uh, into these, these sort of uh, government programs, not direct cash payments. So I think that's what you're gonna end up seeing as a final product of the reparation task force recommendations. N not these direct cash payments, but these programs like a housing voucher. Again, it, the details are, are you know, yet to be seen um, until next year, but that's what it probably will shape up to be. And your institution is actually um, taking a stand um, on, on, on the results of this, right? Is that what you guys are going to legally challenge this? Is that well, what, it remains to be seen what can be challenged in it because the final details of the programs have, have yet to be determined. Um, they only have preliminary recommendations. Uh, Pacific Legal Foundation stands for opportunity for all. We stand against uh, discrimination and prejudice. So we're looking at it in terms of what would ultimately be a program that could violate the Constitution. So because the details aren't out yet as to what the final reparations program will look like, we are keenly aware and are keeping, a tr keeping track on what's gonna come out eventually. And I'll tell you what um, would not be allowed uh, in their ultimate final program. Um, First of all, anything that is providing benefits based on race uh, is immediately suspect. And the, any program like that should be treated with some suspicion. Our country has had a very awful, bad history, terrible history with race and prejudice. So any program that tries to use race to provide benefits or classify or differentiate people even if it's remedial, even if it's benevolent, should be looked on with some suspicion. A reparations program or, or any program that will come out of this, number one, it can't uh, address generalized discrimination uh, or societal discrimination. It's gotta look at specific harms. Uh, it also can't be a program that lasts forever. There has to be some, some duration to it that has an endpoint. It can't last in perpetuity. And then here in California, we have Proposition 209. So any reparations program that uses race to provide benefits um, can't do that when it comes to providing benefits based on or, or regarding public employment, uh, public education, or contracting. So those are some of the guidelines and some of the, the um, barriers or, or uh, things that, that would make a reparations program um, based on race or class, using racial classification suspect or something, some things that you would look at in determining whether it satisfies the Constitution. Um, a good example um, that you can use as a model, and, and the Reparations Task Force um, would, would probably be looking at, at this already, uh, is the internment of Japanese Americans and the reparations uh, that came out of that afterwards. Uh, you had the Civil Liberties Act of 1988 that provided reparations to uh, Japanese Americans. But that program was very targeted. Even though it used Japanese ancestry to determine who gets the benefits, uh, it was very targeted as far as the harm that it was remedying. It was specifically for Japanese Americans who were relocated, imprisoned, uh, evacuated, uh, interned uh, because of the orders during World War II. It wasn't uh, trying to address 
societal discrimination against uh, Asian Americans or, or the descendants of, of Japanese Americans. So, so that reparations program would be a good model um, for the reparations task force. There would still be some issues uh, with the reparations task force because slavery was generations ago. And, and we didn't have a lot of it. Uh, I, I guess California, it was only a few years before California stopped it, right, or banned it, right? When, when California was uh, admitted to the Union and it became a state, slavery was, was banned in its constitution. Uh, California wasn't admitted as a slave state. Um, that doesn't mean there were no problems with, with race and prejudice against uh, black Americans or black Californians. Uh, but we entered, California entered the Union a, as a free state. Um, again, that isn't to say that California didn't have its issues uh, with race and with the um, discrimination. With discrimination. The day, yeah. Right. And now, uh, what about um, this task force? Do you think they're actually going after a bigger societal discrimination or are they thinking about this, what happened with the Japanese Americans? I, you know, the, the way that the task force puts forth the history of discrimination and prejudice towards black Americans, it does tend to suggest a broader societal discrimination that it's going after. Um, it has to, the, the task force has to make the case that there is a nexus between the outcomes of black Americans today and what their ancestors, their relatives experienced starting from slavery and, and continuing on um, as far as the prejudice that their ancestors faced. So if, if a program says, if a reparations program ultimately comes out and says, certain people uh, get these benefits because their family, their ancestors lived during a certain time period, you don't have enough of that targeted harm, of that specific harm to justify a race-based entitlement program. Um, so that's, that's a task that the, the task force will, will have to deal with. How do you show that people today, black Californians today, uh, who are far removed in generations from slavery uh, and the uh, victimization from slavery uh, are themselves um, victims of it? How are they victims today? That's something that the task force, and I think that's a lot, that's something that Californians uh, will be asking too when they come out with their final programs. Do you think this will get challenged in the court, or, or this is if 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 it's not in these boundaries that they will get challenged, right? I, I think that's possible. Yeah, uh, because again, when, when you're looking at societal discrimination and programs that aren't uh, brief in time or, or don't have a, an endpoint in time, uh, you, you could draw some challenges and. The Japanese reparations program uh, had their own challenges from, from people who didn't have Japanese ancestry or, or uh, Japanese heritage, who, who thought that they also were entitled to, to reparations under the Civil Liberties Act. Those challenges ultimately failed because what uh, the courts found and, and what Congress eventually found was, um, was that the remedy to Japanese Americans was justified because of this targeted harm this targeted crime that the, the government put them through. Now, what about some people that argue, why don't we just deal with this? Like, why, why shouldn't we um, allow these reparations to happen and actually compensate the people for it? Yeah, I, you know, and, and I think acknowledging the history 
is absolutely important. There, there's a lot of issues that are raised by the issue of reparations and what the task force is dealing with. You know, n number one, it's how do you acknowledge the history? What of the history do you acknowledge? And then how do you compensate for it, uh, if at all? And if you are going to compensate for it, uh, who are you going to compensate? So there's a lot of those issues that eventually come up from, from this one issue of reparations. As to how to remedy it, or, or who is going to benefit, and, and who's uh, going to um, have their, their grievances ultimately resolved, again, that's something for the task force to try and figure out. It, it's a good thing, ultimately, for a government to acknowledge its wrongdoings. I think you will rarely find a government actually acknowledging or apologizing for the things it's done. You're not, you know, you're, you're, you're going to very rarely find that. Um, so it's, it's, it's not a bad thing to acknowledge the history of prejudice in California. But the question is, how do you move forward? How do you move forward in a diverse state like California, where its population has individuals who themselves can claim grievances or claim harms that were done to, to their ancestors, to, to their family members. California, you know, beyond uh, the prejudice against uh, black Californians, had something called the Alien Land Law, uh, which prevented uh, Asian immigrants from owning land. There were restrictions on the uh, ability of people of color to testify in court. Uh, against um, white Californians. That's not just something that affected black Californians, but um, a lot of Californians of color. The, the lynchings that occurred in California, which the Reparations Task Force report does cover, uh, happened not just to black Californians, but mostly to Chinese immigrants. So you have a diverse population um, that will ultimately face this question of, um, where is my role? in remedying something that, that was horrible and should be acknowledged, um, but has problems that now are rooted in things that aren't just from racism, not just from slavery, but policy choices by our government, in particular with housing and, and the lack of housing and those things that are common to all people in California of all backgrounds. So there will be different groups that would look for reparations as well if this this moves forward other groups want to do that too but it seems like we have fundamental problems that we don't want to deal with in in this process yeah and and it's 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 how you deal with it that that comes up as an issue and and i don't know if other groups will want to seek reparations i mean i certainly won't try to speak for other groups uh but the, the claims of discrimination and, and grievances coming from, from that uh, certainly is prevalent, uh, not just to, to black Californians. But the question is, how do you move forward? Uh, and the best way to move forward is getting at the root causes of problems that are common to all Californians, regardless of their skin color, regardless of, eth of their ethnicity. So again, you go back to the housing issue. Um, this is an issue that affects all Californians. Californians are moving out of the state because they can't afford a home. If you're going to have a program that subsidizes only uh, one set of the population, that's not going to do anything to address the high cost of the housing. Housing will still be expensive, 
And what you might end up having is a population that will move out of the state, and then you end up losing your tax base. You, you end up losing the source that will fund these subsidized mortgages. So there are these byproducts um, that, that can be avoided if we look at the root causes of these issues that aren't based on race, that don't look at the skin color of the people that would benefit, but look at the actual issues, the actual root causes of these problems. So in your opinion, why do you think we're not doing that? You, you know, I, I, I don't know why the reparations task force um, is only, is not looking at the other causes of the housing crisis, for instance. You know, they're not looking at environmental regulatory reform. They're not looking at other reforms in, in education, for instance, like, like school choice or expanding school choice that could uh, help solve a lot of these problems. Uh, I could only speculate as to why they're not doing that. I think ultimately I, I imagine they're, and I've, I think their intentions are, are well-intentioned. Um, but California is, is ultimately, it's, it's a progressive state and it, the reparations task force here in California is the first state-led effort of its kind compared to um, other efforts across the country. So it, it may be the California background as, as, as a more progressive state that would want to look at this issue the way it does that causes it to not look at these other causes of, of these problems. Um, but again, the best way to, to solve these things and move forward is to expand opportunity for all Californians, regardless of their background. Do you think we're going to get more attention nationally when we have this task force and we're working, we're looking at it this way instead of really going to the fundamentals of solving the problem? I, I think we will. Y you know, California is a big state and we have a lot of issues that come to the forefront of the country because of, of how big our population is. We, um, you know, we, we have uh, a governor um, that has uh, attracted some attention because of his future prospects in, in uh, the political scene. He wants so to run for, it looks like he wants to run for presidency. It, it seems like that's, that's where it's going. So whatever happens with the task force's recommendations and, and what the state eventually does with it, whether it pushes it forward or ignores it or denies it or goes a different direction, it'll definitely be looked at. I mean. Uh, as I, as I mentioned, there are other cities uh, across the country who have their own reparations efforts. Uh, I mentioned Evansville, Illinois. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina has a commission looking at reparations. Washington, D.C. is looking at a, a housing program tied to uh, a reparations effort. So all these different cities, all these different municipalities um, are engaged in this effort. They're going to be interested in seeing what California ultimately does and what it ultimately recommends and sees if it is a model to be copied by other states. Do you have any recommendations for this task force? I think the task force would benefit from going beyond the experts uh, that they've already talked to. Uh, talk to advocates of uh, CEQA reform. Talk to advocates who want to reform uh, land use and zoning when it comes to fixing the housing crisis. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown uh, was one such advocate of reforming CEQA, and uh, it was one of his goals, at least he stated that, that CEQA should be looked at as far as being reformed. Um, so looking beyond the folks that they've already talked to would be beneficial. Talk to these other individuals who 
um, know about the housing crisis, who know about what's causing the, the lack of supply that we have uh, in, in for housing. I think the, the, the number was 2.5 million that were short in, in housing. We have to build 2.5 million units by 2030 to catch up with the needs of the state. That's like if the entire population of, of Houston, Texas was without a home. That's how big our crisis is here. So the task force would do well to talk to every type of expert, uh, every individual that has knowledge and expertise and has creative policy solutions that aren't just based on race, but based on actually fixing the root causes of these problems for everyone in California. Because ultimately, a solution that benefits everyone in California doesn't exclude black Americans and black Californians. And you can acknowledge, and we should acknowledge, the past history of discrimination. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to stay stuck in the lane of only looking at race-based solutions either. We, we, can, we can do an acknowledgement. We can acknowledge the past and move forward as, as one California. Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Yeah, you know, when it comes to, to race and, and our background, uh, our ethnicity, um, whatever hardships, whatever uh, injustices that our families faced, that our ancestors faced, all of those things and our race and our skin color is not our destiny. Um, we can move forward as Californians with solutions that benefit all of us. Uh, our backgrounds aren't our destiny. The, the, the best reparations program ultimately is preserving individual liberty. We don't have to be defined by our injustices and the injustices of the past. Uh, we can move forward uh, as one California um, towards solutions that um, are common to us all. And, and ultimately, that would be a better way to preserve opportunity for every Californian. Andrew Kimio, attorney at Pacific Legal Foundation. It was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here.